Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Redeem the Dream podcast. Uh, my name is Dan and I would uh, definitely enjoy some feedback for those of you guys who are listening. You can contact me at dan at redeem-the-dream.org for any comments, questions, or concerns. And today we have another very special guest with us, Dr. Gary Allman. Hello, you- doctor. Oh, yeah, doctor. Uh, his degrees are way too long for me to remember, so I'll let you explain them. I graduated from the 28th grade. Nice. Uh, I, have a, I have a bachelor's in environmental chemistry, uh, environmentalist I was, uh, and then I have, a, uh, I have a master's in Old Testament Hebrew, and then I have a Ph.D. in educational philosophy, emphasizing uh, the ancient teaching offices of the Old Testament, uh, examine those, and try to discover the teaching office of the sage. There was three offices, the priest, the prophet, and what they would call in Jeremiah 31, or 30, I think, uh, the, uh, the counselor, or what we would call the, the, the guys responsible for wisdom, and so the sage. So basically, you're really smart, is what that yeah, means. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> smart, smart. smart. All right, can you give us just a quick little background on your professional career in terms of, I know you taught at a seminary, you were a pastor, and now you own a coffee shop. Can you yeah. kind of give us a quick summary of your experience? Yeah, I, was, I started in ministry in 1988. Uh, I've been in ministry since uh, 1986, actually. I started while I was still in uh, my master's degree. And then I, um, I was in serving the church, um, the institutional church, uh, for uh, 35, 36 years. Also, I have been, I have been uh, overseas 110 times uh, in about 25 different countries. I, I train in various uh, colleges and um, seminaries across the world. Uh, specifically mostly in Asia, and I just started going to Africa. First time I've been in Africa last December. Went to Nigeria and taught uh, about 25 students there. All They were all Ph.D. and Ph.D. level students there. And so, and then, and <clears throat> excuse me, and then I, I've just uh, been in ministry ever since, man. Just, just rocking and rolling. I was 12 years at Southern Seminary. I was nine years full-time. I was... Uh, what is 12 minus 9? Even though I have all these degrees, I don't do math. 12 minus 9 is uh, three years as, a, um, as an adjunct professor. That's amazing. And now you own a coffee shop for about three, four Five years. years. Five so years. We're going into our fifth year, fifth year. And the coffee shop is a business, but at the same time, it's, it's been a place of ministry. And so even though we don't advertise that anywhere, that's what we do. Um, and uh, we've seen a ton of people connected to Christ. Uh, just through conversation at the coffee shop, we knew why we knew, we didn't quite know why the Lord wanted us to build that shop when we first started. But one day, my wife and I, uh, we were working there together before we had employees, and it's one of those days we had those sixteen and 20, uh, 20 hour days working there. And uh, our daughter, one of our daughters, played softball. And after we uh, <clears throat> got off the shop, we went to watch a, a softball game, and then after we visited with two families on the sidelines in the benches we we realized that we had shared christ for 16 solid hours that day so we knew why the lord has us here and why that coffee shop's there and so anyway it's still blossoming and booming and we're discovering new things about it all every day that's amazing i know it's been a blessing to me and you guys have been a blessing to me that kind of leads us into our topic for today as uh, we've been building redeem the dream there's a lot of challenges that came 
a lot of times there's people that come in and out of our organizations that are toxic sometimes on a seemingly subtle subtle level and you don't really recognize what's going on but somehow they destroy relationships they're negative they destroy organizations and it's kind of difficult and you kind of pointed this out to me when we were kind of going through something like that and recommended a book called people of the lie People of the lie and it's an amazing book and since then we've had some great conversations about that i'd love for you to kind of explain your definition or what toxic evil slash demonic whatever you want to call it people are what they are they don't necessarily go around shooting people in the head it's it's usually very different than that it'd be a lot easier to recognize and identify if that were the case so can you kind of speak into that yeah, a little you, bit? You know, it's, it's kind of amazing that you and I are sitting here talking about this, and we have to, we have to kind of like put it in parentheses or soften it down because we can't say, oh, somebody who's influenced by the devil. You know, we can't talk like that because of our culture, and we're so inclusive and diverse. And people have, oh, that's just the way they are or whatever, or they may, may have a pathological uh, disease or need therapy or something. We, we've, we've become such a materialistic culture that the spiritual world has become something that we're not in tune with church is matter of fact church is not really so spiritual i go down and give my life to the lord or whatever the, the ceremony may be and the next thing you know all we can do then is just go to church go to youth group go to redeem the dream go wherever we need to go where to be with christians so we grow study our bible but we don't really realize the spiritual world that goes on around us and so i think that even in business or or, or doing ministry or just living our daily lives we don't understand that there is an adversary and that adversary, as Jesus says in John 10, 10, it comes to seek, steal, and destroy. And that's his main purpose. And we're not aware of his workings. Now, what's beautiful about a book like The People of the Lie, if I go overseas, and I told you I've been overseas many times, if I go overseas, it's a very blatant, blunt thing. To most people that administer, even people with high education, this is a common experience for them. But we, when we come back into the Western culture, because we're so, we're so mental, materialistic we don't understand what's going on one of the things about the people of the line by m scott peck it's no longer published but you can go on amazon and find it it was it was a bestseller in the 1980s and it's one of the best books i've ever seen that helps describe the work of the adversary in this very materialistic culture that we have and so what he describes is if we go back to the scriptures and ask you know who is the devil well, we know that he has two titles. He's the accuser of the brethren, and he is the father of lies. And so that's the premise of the whole book. M. Scott Peck was a psychiatrist, M.D., very intelligent, wrote a bestseller book in 1984, I believe. Don't quote me on that date. But it was called The Road Less Traveled. And you can tell in that book that he was mostly a universalist. All roads lead to God and, and whatever. Had a very universalist type of philosophy. But somewhere he said in his practice as he would take people through therapy and discover their psychosis, he said he began to notice that even when he took them to the depth and the source of their psychosis, there still was something behind them that was causing them to do things. And this is, this is the realization that he had that say, hey, wait a minute, there's something else here. And his discovery of the adversary or his discovery of the devil, as we would say, actually led him to God and he became a believer. And after that, he wrote the book, the book, The People of the Lie. After The Road Less Travel, he wrote The People of the Lie, which became a bestseller in the, in the late 80s too. And he began to describe his experiences through people he believed were influenced by the adversary to bring disruption and destruction to their families and the community they, they lived in. Wow. Yeah. That's great. 
Would you have a? How do you think it, this kind of behavior manifests itself? Mm. Say in a business, you lead a coffee shop, you lead a youth organization. We both have examples of, without naming names, of, of people that we've come across. Where you think, man, I'm, I'm pouring into these people. I, I want it more than they want it for themselves, and somehow it's it's just not working. And I know for me, I'm I'm discerning better now, and I'm learning. But for years, I went through this with several people, time and time again. Where I'm like. It just bit me in the butt. Yeah, them. yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, we don't. We want to be very cautious. We don't want to accuse everybody of being influenced by the devil because they do something wrong. We don't want to go on a witch hunt. But at the same time, we'll notice in our lives that all of a sudden, some people will begin to enter into our businesses, our ministries, or our families that will just cause confusion. And and if we go along with what the Scripture says, the father of the lies, they will they will follow what the adversary is about and his number one his number one tactic is is uh, uh, confusion lies and accusations because he's the father of lies and he's accuser of the brethren so what you begin to discern is these people who come into your life and, and they say something and you find it's untrue and then when you maybe challenge them or confront them about them they'll even lie about their lies and you'll find now most people would say well they're just pathological liars and I believe that there are pathological liars but at the same time if we were really to dig deep within them, I think you would find that there would be an influence and in some of them, maybe not all of them, but in some of them, there would be some something else working there to help create confusion, especially in ministry. Especially, and I'm not just talking about institutional ministry. If you're doing something for the service of the kingdom, you'll find that people will enter in to try to disrupt that by confusion and by, by lies and accusations. And most of these don't even have um, any kind of basis whatsoever. I'll never forget, you know, I've had some people that, in, that have entered my life in the last five years uh, because now I'm kind of like in the middle of this flow of the community that, bro, you, you were so confused because you would, you would ask them, why are you doing that? And they would lie about it. And then when you find out it wasn't true, you'd go back and go, well, well this is what you're doing, what you said was untrue. Oh, I didn't even say that. What you, what do you mean? I said, you know, they would lie about their lying. So what you find is you find that the father lies has influenced people to lie, to be deceptive, to cause confusion. And then that confusion ruins relationships, ruins organizations, ruins their work culture, it's so many things. It disrupts everything around it. What's the best way to handle situations like that when you come across them? Well, in a business, you fire them. <laughs> That's bottom line. You've got to, because what happens is that there's a sense of non-trust. And you can't do anything without trust. You can't build a relationship. You can't build any kind of business. You can't, you can't trust them with anything that, that you have. But here's the thing. It's not that there's a sense to hate them. In, the, in, in Proverbs, Proverbs takes us to wisdom. You know, the Bible is not so much about making us right. Even though doctrine is important and doctrine is spiritual, we want to have the right doctrine. But it's not about making us right. The Bible's more interested in making us wise. This is why it, it, it amazes me that there's this whole genre of literature in the, in the, in the Bible called wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, even the book of James is considered a wisdom literature. Matter of fact, they know, scholars know that it's based on the Sermon on the, um, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and, and that wonderful two-chapter message that Jesus, did. but that was all wisdom. You know, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he was a priest, and he was a prophet, and he was a king, but he taught 
as a sage. That's what we were discovering when we began to investigate the office of the sage. But the Lord wants us to be wise about things. That's what he says, be innocent as dove, but be what? Wise as serpent. So that his desire for us is to be able to discern, learn to discern this dude working in amongst us. Not to go out and do the same thing as he wants us to do, accuse the brethren of being somebody that they're not. But at the same time, when we begin to identify him, we need to address him very, very clearly. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs 1.21 that there are three types of fools. There's a simpleton. He's naive. He just does, he just does foolish things because he doesn't know any better. And, you know, I've been there a thousand times. I mean, after I get through something, I go, man, was I so naive. But then the second time, it's just the fool. Now, here's the fool fool in the Bible. You know, you have someone who knows what's right and knows what's wrong, but still chooses to do wrong. That's just foolish. You know that. You know, kids do that all the time. But then the third type of fool is you find that there's the mocker. Now, here's something totally different that comes along because you find this person who knows what's right, knows what's wrong, but hates the wrong so much he wants to destroy and disrupt the right. So if you're doing something for the kingdom and, you, and it's working out and doing something right, the mocker will come in with, an amazing, it's called the mocker, someone who's an accuser, who will be lying, who will mock, try to destroy what's going on right. And the Bible only has one answer for those people, and that's to separate yourself from them. Now, that's not, because we're supposed to love everybody. I'm not saying to hate them. Oh, be so open to everybody and inclusive. Well, the Bible's not that inclusive. The Bible says, listen, this dude's here to destroy, and so you need to separate your pe yourself from the people that he's using. And the mocker is one of those. Now, the mocker may be influenced by the adversary, or he may not. You need to learn to discern and grow wit and wisdom. But there are people that you just need to simply separate yourself from. If they're in your ministry, you need to ask them to step out. If they're in your business, you need to ask them. Well, you don't need to ask them. You need to make sure you document everything that they're doing and then ask them, you know, dismiss them from their position at your, at your employee, where they're employed at. Is that something that you, have done? you did a lot, you had to do a lot? No, I, you know, probably in the last five years, I've ran into two, two, just two. And like I said, this is not a common experience, you know, but I mean, it is an experience that I think that a lot of people have and are not realizing that they are having it because what's happening, especially, especially around churches, you know, the most amazing thing is, is that the, the book, The People of the Lie, when he gives his experiences, every one of those people went to church. Every one of his clients were Sunday school teachers. They were leaders in the church. They were on boards. They were, because we forget what the Bible says about the adversary. He always presents himself as an angel of light. He always wants to look good, and also this 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 work of the adversary is deep within. He covers himself up. That's why if we really want to get into demonic possession and those kind of things, you really have to be very cautious if you're going to enter into that ministry, because that's that's one that we don't have commonly around. But it's still there, and he hides himself within our within our personality or within uh, people's personality within organizations because he doesn't want to be discovered. So he can continually disrupt and to cause confusion and destroy whatever God may be trying to do there. And here's the here's the most ironic thing: God allows him to do that. And that blows us away. It, it, we we have one picture of where God approaches. Uh, it's in the book of Job, and God approaches, I mean, Satan approaches God and asks him for permission to do certain things to Job, and God gives him permission to do that. I had a professor in seminary that once said, wherever you find God, you'll find the adversary, because they are in constant battle, and we know that in Ephesians chapter 6, there is a spiritual warfare that we have got to be aware of, and and if you notice a lot of those things that Paul describes, they're 
their darts, their accusations, their, you know, they, you know, they're just things that are being thrown at us all the time, but not physically, but spiritually, and usually that's through words. So we have to be very cautious about what we're, what we're, what we're listening to and who it's coming from. That's interesting, yeah. I heard the last uh, couple of days when I was at a, at a conference, they kind of talked about the current generation, Generation Z, people that were born in the 90s and early 2000s, I believe are mostly in a place where they feel like they can create their own truth as opposed to discovering what truth really is. And so they have this attitude of, well, if you don't accept the truth that I created, then you hate me and we can't even have a conversation. And so that makes us really, really kind of hard to, especially when you're dealing with youth and you're trying to do the right thing in terms of trying to reach them or even people within your business, if you own a business where they feel like they can create their own truth as opposed to discover it and, and learn what it is yeah they, they, we're in a post postmodern culture where truth is so if i could use this adjective stinking relative to people they just make up their own truth i know that there's two history books out that a lot of people a lot of scholars were complaining about because they had no basis of authority they had no resources because they just were making up history can you imagine that going back in history like world war ii and i'm just going to make up events that surrounded World War II and called this a history book. So what they've done is just really, really recreated what they thought might have happened and why it happened, and it was just all in their imaginations. So, you know, we were talking about this on our way here, but it, it really creates a playground for the adversary because if no one wants to know the real truth, then he could just keep causing confusion all day long, and lies become reality. Lies will become truth in many people's eyes but there's still lies because there is a there is a there is a truth that is not relative there's objective and subjective there is objective truth uh that's tangible that's unchanging that god has set into play matter of fact the whole book of wisdom talks about wisdom being the queen of lit- uh, of literature in the scriptures because it talks about how god's created the earth and he set we- wisdom uh, and it helped create the earth. It helped create all of ex- all of life, and it and it and it has existed. It's non-changing. It's not going to go anywhere. You can get on the top of a house, and no, no matter how much relativity you have, you can jump off, and you'll still hit the ground. That's why you have to separate yourself from people like that. As you're saying that, I'm reminded of some of the people in my life that kind of fit that profile that that encountered encountered the last few years. And you're right; these people. They believe their own lies. They yeah. 100% believe their own lies. So there's really no starting point to talk to them right. as they don't believe truth. And so separating is really the best solution, right? There's no point in even starting a conversation that doesn't make you a coward. It just makes you wise to say, yeah. hey, there's no need for a conversation. I wish you the best and that's it. Yeah. I've, I've, you know, we were, we were talking earlier before we got on the, the podcast. We were talking about... Uh, brethren who accuse, especially in um, the church ministry, we want to counsel and try to help people out of their their crisis, but they've actually created that crisis themselves. They live in that crisis. They actually dwell and love that crisis, and they believe that that crisis and whatever it is is right and good for them or whatever. It's kind of a crazy thing, but the thing of it is is that you cannot counsel the devil. You're not smart enough. He's smarter than you. And matter of fact, the only time I ever see Jesus dealing with it, he would rebuke him, cast him out, and walk away from him. He wouldn't sit there and hold a conversation with him and try to have a, try to have a counseling session. He would just tell him to bug off. Wow, that's deep. What are uh, 
what are two to three things that you would advise someone that is in any kind of leadership role, whether it is in ministry or in business, in terms of identifying and dealing with these people? I know um, you mentioned a whole bunch of things. Maybe it could be a summary of what you just kind of mentioned. These are people that are want to confuse, just like the enemy wants to confuse, want to spread lies, want to cause disruption, and then separation is the only thing to do. Is that is that kind of sum up? Yeah, and I think I think here? you know your love. You're a follower of Christ, and you want to love, and you want to you want to even love uh, your adversary, your your enemies. Uh, you know that maturity is occurring in your life when you can love those people who hate you, uh, and and even those these people you may discover or suspect that they're being influenced by the adversary you still want to love them and care for them but at the same time you've got to be very upfront with them and have a wall that says hey you cannot come here you cannot be a part of this because you're trying to destroy it if god gives you something to do i guarantee you the adversary is going to try to disrupt it but when that person who's being influenced by him to, that comes to try to tear up what you have or what you're trying to do for god you have to be you have to separate yourself from the work that God has you to do. But you got to do that with love and care, even though you're feeling tremendous frustration, maybe, maybe anger, maybe hatred. You've got to be very cautious with this. I, you know, and I'm not just going to say pray about it and go on. You've really got to take some choices to say, I will care for this person, but at the same time, I'm going to separate myself from this person. Because this is way beyond you and I. This is not a counseling situation. Yeah. So it's not unloving to separate yourself from somebody and it say, is I can't not. have nothing to do with you. It's, it's, it's okay to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. And that's, that's sometimes that's hard to, to reconcile in the Christian mind. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's okay not to be liked by everybody. Yeah. It's okay if some people hate you. Even Jesus said, right, whoa, everyone speaks well of you. So there's going to be situations and that's okay i think there's especially hard for people that want to be people pleasers you bet you bet we want to please people but i you know i can't think of all the churches that are probably around the country that have the adversary who just constantly causes confusion by lies and accusations from people who are being influenced by him and that church literally has been frozen and the work of god has been stopped there because of the lies of the adversary and, and the confusion, the chaos, the anger, the disruption of the relationships and the bitterness that flows up from this. Because that's what, you know, it's the most amazing thing. Paul says, don't give him a foothold. And it talks about the relationships that happen between believers. He said, don't give him a foothold. And he says, get rid of bitterness and anger and all that stuff. Because that's what he wants to create. And once he creates that, he causes division and, and things begin to fall apart. He causes confusion, chaos. And that's God's, God's mission is very clear. You know, go and therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son. Lo, I'll be with you till the end of the age. All that stuff, he wants to disrupt that. He wants to destroy that. And so once we have identified that, if that's happening, you really need to separate. Sometimes somebody needs to be excommunicated from a church. Sometimes somebody needs to be fired. Sometimes they need to be removed from the situation. And you'll know that because there's so many lies and so many so much confusion that's 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 originating from these individuals then you've got to separate yourself from them well that's some amazing insight well thank you very much dr gary almond in the house i really appreciate your time no thank you man appreciate it no problem thank you thank you and that concludes our third episode of the redeem the dream podcast i hope you enjoyed it took some notes and uh, gleaned some of the great wisdom from gary
God bless y'all. We'll God see bless you. Next you. Time. Or, well, you'll be able to listen to us next time. I'll see us <laughs> next time. <laughs> Bye.